Greetings, travelers, and welcome to the John Rodros Podcast. This is Rob. And I'm Mike. And in this episode, we are joined by a special guest, Conway Fitzgerald. How Hello. are you? <laughs> so, Wonderful to be here, Geronimo. Oh, well, happy to have you. Yeah, yeah. We're excited. <laughs> so today's topic is fantasy, you know, the, the importance of fantasy. Conway Fitzgerald is a fantasy author, and also he has a podcast. What is the name of the... I'm sorry, a YouTube channel. Yeah, I'm, I'm creating a YouTube channel, and it's just called Conway Fitzgerald. Right, that's and, right. And the story is the giant killers that I'm uh, pushing right right now. And so. you're narrating the story in the chapters? All the voices. Yeah, that's cool. It's, it's, it sounded awesome. Well, thank you. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Thank you very much yeah. for listening. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to... Uh, Make it sort of really kind of old timey audio drama, like kind of like you know, H, you know, War of the Worlds. War oh yeah, World. you know. So I'm adding like foley and music and right. sound effects. You know, I'm very ham handed in how I do this. Right, 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 right. So Absolutely. I'm not going to try to sell it, but at the same time, <laughs> um, I'm I'm just trying to attract people to the uh, to the story. And of course, to, you know. What well, I'm that's the beauty of today's mediums with. YouTube and podcasts, it's it goes back to like the old radio shows, you know? It's really crazy. Like the shadow. Yep. You know, all that stuff. Even Superman. Yep. And and it was interesting because I thought, you know, I, I was thinking of ways to advertise it to right. folks. And, and my thought was, hey, you know, while you're commuting to and from work, rather than listening to the bad news, yes, or things exactly. are gonna make you crazy. You <laughs> right, know? right, right. Oh, this, you know, you know, yeah. Just Take yourself away to Absolutely. another world, and you know I think it's uh, it's 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 reaching some years. Yeah, I, I'm pleased to say. No, yeah, yeah, you certainly got the traction, and that was kind of our inspiration for the podcast too. We always have discussions about everything from movies to games to comics, you know, to just fantasy stories. So it was sort of why not put it out there for other people to kind of get involved. So I could see the same attraction for your channel is, you know, create something, create a world, and let people kind of like dive into it. Right. It seems like. They're loving it. Well, thank well, you. Yeah. And it's immersive too because people have it over their ears. They're listening to mm -hmm. it. And when you're doing the voices and you're getting into it, like I have lore videos too that I do on my channel. And that it just, it makes it feel real, right. you know? And fantasy in particular, I think is so amazing because it is escapism. It is, a, like I said, a fantasy world, but it could mirror, you know, our world. Absolutely. Right? That's what's so incredible about it. As, as I made my way out here to uh, the, my first time ever, Staten Island. <laughs> Welcome. I've, I've lived in and around New York my whole life, but this is my first time. And thank you for the advice. Yes. And I, I didn't get on the right side of the ferry, but I wanted to go by and, and get a shot of Lady Liberty. I yeah, think right. I will on the way back. <laughs> um, but it was, I was thinking exactly what you just said. Yeah. When I'm showing a statue like that, which represents something to mm -hmm. me that was, you know, I, I call the castle Voss, which Absolutely, is yeah. this representation of that, which is true mm -hmm. and, and what people can look to for justice. Sure. Know? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think, you know, I'm, you, you can't miss no. the, the, you know, the, the mirror of, yeah. of our own world because that's what makes it real to people. Exactly. What would they do right, in right, your world, right. you know, when confronted by these yeah. creatures in these situations? Yeah. And I think that's what makes people, mm -hmm. you know, buy in yeah. to and, the and world. George yeah. R. R. Martin, you know, he, he's from Bayonne, New Jersey. I didn't know that. Yeah. And he... Oh, he is from Jersey. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. he was inspired by all of the ships that would pass by from Staten Island and between Staten Island and the Bayonne 
uh, under the Bayonne Bridge. Uh-huh. And he would think, wow, this other this other island, Staten Island, must be what, what must, it must be rich and just full of um, adventure. <laughs> <A> kingdom <laughs> yes, exactly. Across the waters. <laughs> that was the inspiration for, I believe, Westeros. Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, we also had that discussion too about the. We watched a movie called Killing of a Sacred Deer. And it was based on a Greek tragedy. Right, right, correct. right. So mm-hmm. we were going into that and looking at some of George R. R. Martin's stuff for Game of Thrones. And it kind of had oh, that connection heavily, to Greek history heavily. as well. like mythology. The Red Wedding and Absolutely. all that. Yeah. Are either of you familiar with the works of Joseph Campbell? Oh, yes. Okay. Well, yeah. then if you, I've, I've read The Hero with a Thousand Faces That's the one, probably yeah. <laughs> about a thousand times. Yeah. And I think the, the the basis for that is kind of where we're going. Well, George Lucas, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, that was yeah. literally his blueprint for exactly, Star Wars. <laughs> exactly right. The cosmogenic cycle. Yes, yeah. and, exactly. Uh, yeah, you could go through so many situations where it's like, oh, yeah, that's this. He yeah. said that was his his teacher, yeah. basically. Yeah. And, uh, and Campbell's stuff, I mean, the, the whole idea of it is that in every culture all over the world, there are similarities in these stories because we're all human mm-hmm. and we're having the human experience and dealing with our fears and our, uh, you know, ambitions and our dreams and these archetypal images that yeah. Jung talked about, you know, that we can see. And the, and I think if, 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 if you're writing stuff and people say, oh, this reminds me of, that's a good sign yes. from my point of view. If you're right. writing stuff and people are like, mm, right. relatable right. as everything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. So what is the premise of... Yeah, giant the giant killers. The giant killers is in a new world that I call the known world because uh-huh. I, I wasn't creative with a with a fancy name for the world, but I just figured that which was known. Right, you know, plenty of uh, I have maps and there's plenty of stuff for it. But, I love uh, maps. <laughs> the whole idea behind it is um, understanding um, humankind's expansion, rapid expansion, and how it's eliminating all of the other races mm. and all of the other creatures. Interesting. Everybody's got their reasons, um, but the all, some of our favorite humanoids are victims of this, ah, okay. i.e. the elves and the dwarves. And, gotcha. And, and the giants who are, you know, the, the bad guys uh-huh. in this, of course. But uh, it's about how it how the, the last war with the giants came to be mm-hmm. and how it was that our narrator, a, a half-elf by the name of Aermine, came to, to be involved with them. He's the protagonist? It, it's, it's Believe it or not, it's a she. Oh, okay. I'm actually narrating from a female point oh, of view. Oh, well, very that cool. Was the cool part about it is yeah. that you're playing the characters as you tell the tale and yes. just Tony. And if... I remember reading some of the comments where people were blown away that the same voices were coming or different voices were coming from the same person. Yeah. So yeah. credit to you. Well, thank you. Yeah, I... It, it, Originally, when I wanted to write the story, we're going back to George Lucas. Now. Sure. Yeah. I thought, you know, he had said when he wrote Star Wars, he wanted to write from the point of view of the droids. Yes. And the reason why is because they live forever, so to speak, and they could see the whole thing right. happen. So that's why they're in every single episode. Exactly. And I thought, wow, that's that's a great concept. So why don't I, out of all of these characters I have in mind, choose the half-elf because she lives the longest. Mm. So I can have her tell all of these different tales as I go yeah. because she was there. Right. And then I wrote it and I had a fantastic experience of like, you know, feeling as though someone was telling me what was going on. You know, yeah. Stephen King gets into that. Oh, of course. Yeah. How they tell you, not the other way around. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't until I started thinking, let's do an audiobook. I was like, 
Oh gosh, yeah. <laughs> how am I going to do a female half elf voice? So, um, did you take voiceover lessons? I didn't, but I've ah. been an entertainer, okay, you know, my whole life. So I'm a singer, you know, and, okay. I, and I've done you know a lot of stuff in front of the mic, you know. It so, doesn't bother you, yeah. So I my my idea was to imitate Eartha Kitt. <laughs> nice. To do this voice. <laughs> so she would talk like that. And then, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. no Batman, you know? <laughs> yes. Perfect. And so I was trying to do that voicing and then I just pitched it up digitally using oh, digital magic. Oh, very nice. Which works for most. Some are kind of like, oh, I don't like the chipmunk effect, is what yeah, they call it. Right, but, right. And I get it. You know, it's it's it it makes some of the pitch sound a little bit odd, but I don't know. I, I, I think I'm getting better at it as I go. Yeah. But that's how I get the uh, the voicing of Ayer Mine. She's my uh, my heroine. Wow, in that's the story. great. And yeah. and all things D and D, they put up your prologue, they right? They did. That's Thank really you, cool. all things D and D. Yeah, I, I you know I'm, you know you know what we do as yeah. YouTubers, we reach out to people and say, Hey, what to. do you think of this? What yeah. do you think of that? You know, and uh, one of the people I reached out to was this really big. Yeah. page i mean i think they have like 150,000 yeah. subscribers very nice know? guys who run that channel oh, they're awesome. very nice yeah and they yeah. and they they offered they said hey can we run this prologue i was like yeah <laughs> <laughs> so they did and it, and it really it was great because um it, you know there's 50,000 more people yeah. or so have seen it now yeah. and uh they got a lot of nothing eyes bad about that no that's great know? and so i'm very grateful that's and great they had spoken to me about maybe continuing on and oh. you know having it be a series you know oh, cool they uh it, it remains to be seen because you know they have, they're very specific what they do for yeah. those of you who don't know is it's they they take in stories of people talking about their D adventures mm-hmm. so for a lot of people they were taken back because here it was i was telling this epic saga meanwhile they're used to people say well we were playing and we were level six and you know yeah Hold out my plus four sword and you know hey, and right. rolled an eighteen. You know, so like yeah. for them, that's what they want. They you want know? that. That's what they're used mm. to. That's what they love. So, I it, they really took a, a little bit of a departure, even trying. Oh. I'm the only non uh, Milo narration. Right. That's like Milo is their narrator. Right, yeah. I'm the only guy who wasn't him. So a lot of people are like he's very. There's a lot of loyal fans. They're oh. like, what is this? <laughs> what is this devilry? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, change, change fear, you know, scare yeah, people away. So I was okay with that. You know, I mean, yeah. I figured, you know, yeah, it's, you know, for, you know, they deserve their fans. They've earned yeah. them and uh, I just appreciate it. That's so, really cool. It was, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, I really enjoyed that. Now, I, I relate to what you're saying, you know, with your story, because with Blood Realm, I wanted to focus on the post-conquest of mankind and now how there is a backlash mm-hmm. and we follow this race of goat kind mm-hmm. who are now sieging the crumbling, uh, basically, it's like what the Roman Empire would have been, right? You know, and, and that's what the human gods come yes. to take it over. <laughs> exactly, that's right. It's actually, in fact, it's called the the, the human kingdom is called Voragoth. Oh. Right? Inspired by that, so there you go. I like mine. Yes, I like it. So <laughs> you need the inspiration, right? Yeah. Every... Well, history, right. history, yeah, exactly. absolutely. You know, history is just filled with such insane, <laughs> insane, unbelievably epic tales. Oh yeah. I mean, the Roman history alone. Oh, it's just, find wow. me one creative, you know, storyteller that didn't find inspiration in something as a child or something from oh, you the are. source material. Everyone you know. is. I, I think that's yeah. Um, Segwaying to music briefly, just to kind of make that point. Yes. David Bowie said, "Everyone steals." Yes, that's true. <laughs> 
it's, <laughs> so, it's so true. As soon as you, this is this goes out for all those creative people out there. The sooner you get it in your head that you want people saying, "Oh, this reminds me of." the better off you'll be. Yes. You don't want people going, um, this is like nothing I've ever seen before. I, I think that's no. more of the kiss of death yes, than absolutely. it is a, uh, you know, a sign of something magnificent. Yes. Because someone make the argument, now you're trying to achieve that level all the time. You're just trying the shock value of, right. I've never seen anything like this as opposed right. to, there's a formula to what works and why people can relate and why they love it. If you go off on a tangent, sometimes it does work. Mm -hmm. I mean, Clearly, Star Wars was something that had never been done like that before, mm -hmm. but it still followed a pattern. Well, it, it actually was a heavily influenced by Flash Gordon. Oh, yeah. Even the even the the title crawl. I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that's what George Lucas got it. <laughs> but, Precisely, beautiful yeah. homage. Yep. Yeah. No, it's true. And in those human experiences, yeah, yeah. I think that's really because if it doesn't relate to you, then what does it matter? Oh yeah. To you? Yeah. You know absolutely. What I, mean? I think that's yeah. I, I I tell everybody that uh, you know you love a character when it pains you to kill them off. Mm. You know. That you know, you put a little bit of yourself in every character, then you're just like, even though this character is awful, I, I, it pains me to kill him. Yeah, you know, He's or gone. her. <laughs> but you know, uh, there's that quote: "You got to kill your darlings." Yeah, you know, so it, it makes it that much more impactful when it does happen in the story. It, it's so funny you said that because someone had commented and they said to me essentially, "I hope you're not going to shy away from killing off <laughs> your, your favorite characters." <laughs> And I hesitated to comment, and I, you know, I wanted to be like, nah, everybody dies. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Suddenly, Game of Thrones wasn't afraid to do that. Right, right. I mean, no, I, I, I replied that uh, you might have missed it, but Airmine in, uh -huh. in the end, opening stanza says, "I am the last thread." Ah, she's the last one alive. Right, so, right, right. Yeah, so it's, uh, I agree. Yeah, a hundred percent that uh, there's. If if everybody, you know, if it's, remember the, I don't know, I'm probably dating myself. You guys are a lot younger than me, but uh, there was this show in the early 80s called The A-Team. Oh, I remember The A-Team. Mr. Yeah. T. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> of course. And the thing that was so silly about it would be like, there would be all these fights with gigantic machine guns going yeah. off and people shooting at each other right, and right. explosions and nobody got hurt. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> right. Right, right, right. So... For me, yeah, I, I'm a little bit more like, nah, if you're going to be in a in a blood realm, right, yeah. there's going to be some blood spilled. <laughs> exactly. You know what I mean? And, and it's not going to be a very nice no. place all the time. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. like even in Marvel, you know, everybody ends up coming back and it's yeah. so frustrating sometimes, you know, just mm. kill them off. Right. We don't need them to come back. <laughs> yeah, and that's what creates that fear. Yes. You know what I mean? Exactly. Of, oh my gosh. Like, no know, one's safe. Yeah. If you could just go and always do something with impunity. Right. I mean, like, That's why I never liked Superman. I mean, like, if you're no, I feel, so, I feel the, the most way. powerful character and you can never get hurt, then why do I care? Right. right. Well, then, part of me thinks that's why Kryptonite existed. <laughs> yeah. Like, we need to have something, something. that will take him yeah. out. It originally Otherwise, didn't exist when they first created him. Yeah. It came later. Yeah. And <laughs> I think that they realized the same thing. Yeah, right? we I completely. have some kind of weakness. So this yeah. is, you know, it gets boring. character, right. You know, right. I mean, you know, even our most revered uh you know, uh, religious figures, you know, have, have done so because of their sacrifice. Right. You know, and their mortality. Exactly. And that is how we can relate as human beings. Absolutely. To what they did what they believed in. 100%. Suffered and fought back, you know, and, and despite amazing odds. So right. It keeps that tension. Yeah. It keeps things like on the edge of your seat moment as opposed to like, 
don't worry, he's gonna be fine. Yeah. Right. Like, we already know nothing's <laughs> happening. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so what uh what what uh books what's some of the books that inspired you? We'll go well, back and forth. I think I'd It'd be ridiculous for me to not suggest that, you know, J.R.R. Tolkien uh, Uncle or, Tolkin. or, or Gary, Gary Gygax didn't have <laughs> yeah, anything to do with right. influencing my writing. Um, no, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I grew up um, and was first experiencing uh, D&D when I was like 12, right. 13 in the early 80s. Yeah, yeah I know. I'm a, I'm a fossil. It's amazing how big it is now, right? Yeah. And back same. then, it was very like yep. you keep Niche. that on the QT. Yeah, That's exactly. You go and, well, same with comics too. Yeah, you don't brag right. that you read comics. Exactly. And so I'm, I had to hide it. <laughs> exactly. So you know, and I, Marvel, fun of. I think you know Stan Lee is probably one of my biggest yeah. influencers. You know, and 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 the Marvel comic because well, I what lived off did. of that. Yeah, what he did with the characters because like you had these titans, these gods like mm-hmm. Superman, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden he was like, I'm going to make them deal with actual human issues like they get sick mm-hmm. uh they have re- relationship problems mm-hmm. they don't always get along they mm-hmm. get jealous right they get bored they get tired right you know they feel loss and they're su- human yes and suddenly <laughs> it was like oh my god yeah. like it was an evolution yep and i think that's uh one of my biggest influences so uh yeah and i, I think it's really if you if you if you listen or read the giant killers and you i mean it's obvious the order is like the Jedi or the Avengers. Yeah, you know? <laughs> I have one like that. The Iron right. Wolves for me. Right. I mean, there's one thing after the other. I mean, you know, there's, there's elements of all of these stories in it, you know, um, you know, yep. it, it's not, I'm not trying to say, Hey, I, I'm so original, but no, I'm trying yeah. to. It's your spin on it. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to create a story that I think really just punches all of those, those, you know, those right buttons, those right holes Same. for people who are looking for something just to, you know, something new, but yeah. filling those archetypes of things that, you know, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. so the story goes, um, you know, I, I, I started with, uh, you know, I'm introducing my, my, my character, Aramine. Now she's a half elf. Now, one of the things in D and D is common is these multi-race right. characters. And I really wanted to ask, well, how does this happen? Uh-huh. You know, that do you just suddenly see an elf across a, a bar and say, hey, what are you doing? <laughs> right, right, right. You know, like, how does that really happen? And so my answer was not very easily and not very naturally. Uh-huh. It was a very dramatic experience that took place because of, you know, these elves are very religious about their procreation. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like that is like their most religious thing is right. re- re- reproduction and mm. eternal life and all that kind of Very stuff. Very cool. So her creation was based upon that. But of course, she's a refusal to the call. Of course. Yes. Got to have that. <laughs> <laughs> she, she wants nothing to do with them. Right. And she takes instead on uh, a, a life that actually, spoiler alert, fulfills her prophecy. Okay. Not, not Inadvertently. It. Yeah. Inadvertently. I've, I've been tempted to get to that but it's not until chapter 19 that i actually give you the uh right. prophecy in its in its entirety but uh yeah so but then she falls in love with our human protagonist mm-hmm. but he when he when she meets him he's a boy so uh, mm. my my friends in hollywood who are shopping my treatment around yeah. kind of like well, wait, 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 what's going on there? And so I had to be very clear in my second chapter. That, no, she's not molesting him. Yeah, yeah. She just took him in because she felt sorry for him. And he was just so beautiful and uh-huh. had this power. Like the power of the gods is really important in oh, giant yeah. killers because I'm trying to really show how faith 
is is almost equal in power to what I call the triumvirate. There's mm-hmm. like a high lord, yeah, steel, right? Sure, sure. There's a high mage who deals with yeah. magic, right? And there's a high priest that deals with the connection of the gods. Yes, in yes. This story. So the, the the triumvirate is in charge of this order, and it's a story about how this young boy goes from being a, a pickpocket that she, you know, it's like, hey, you're working on my turf, right, you know, right, and, and they were going to kill him, and then they're like, oh no, she's like, she wanted to keep him, uh-huh. you know, like a little puppy, yeah, and then eventually how he blows their cover and then he goes on to become the most famous man in the world oh, cool. and she kind of chases after him yeah that's how she that's her unrequited love and that's how she becomes involved nice in this heroes even though she's just like a you know a thief and a right know, a, gotta have a thief yeah she, she's a, she's a you know she's a, a miscreant you right. know? and she, here yeah. she is you know involved in you know in, in observing the great seer and uh-huh. Dan Tanubi, like two of the most famous people hundreds mm-hmm. of years later, they're still talking about them and they're seeking her out to yeah. tell them the story. And she's like, you know, what she says as much has been written and more has been said of those days. Right. But I know cause I was there, Yeah, you know, so that's kind of how I, I introduced the that's story. Cool. And it's about, yeah, how, how it came to be that these men went and uh, how the giants came invaded yep. the West and how they got rid of them. You have and, to create yeah. the history. Yep. You know, whenever, whenever I, you know, as people ask me about Blood Realm mm-hmm. and like, oh, what, what's going on here and this and that, you know, you have to tell it as if it really happened. Oh, because yeah. in my mind, it really did happen. It's it's real history. This isn't uh, fiction to yep. me. <laughs> well, you know what I love, you know, just as a, a person on the back end, obviously I'm not the author here, like the two of you, but what I love well, to see, guy, like, <laughs> oh, appreciate that. but what I love to see is the passion that comes from the both of you. Like you yeah. said, you're telling the story as if it was real, mm-hmm. right? You're coming from a character where the character exists mm-hmm. in the world. So it just, it has such an appeal to me because I see the passion that comes from it. Yeah. It, it just, I can't help but dive into it myself. And maybe that's why people have such a connection because it becomes a relatable thing. They're passionate because you're passionate. Oh, yeah. You know, well, you I put mean, so much effort. I mean, yeah. look at people at home can't read, but like, here's mm-hmm. the map of the realm, you know, yeah. like, a blood realm. We yeah. have, uh, I'm wearing a t shirt <laughs> of it because awesome. it took it to that level of yep. just, we want to know what the world looks like and how we traverse. Oh, and people love maps. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You want to create that immersion. It's yep. really important. <laughs> you want to make it feel incredibly believable as if, like, it, this exists. Yep. You know, it, it's, it's super important. And also, people can tell. When you're having fun. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. Like when I read stuff, I can immediately tell when an artist or a writer is doing this and they're just, they're not that passionate about it. Right. It, it you know, the enthusiasm drips from the page. You, you know, you know totally, what I'm saying? I see you're totally nodding. Yeah. Totally agree. Totally hundred percent. Yeah. I, there, there's one point in my story where Airmind says I had grown into a woman uh-huh. and I had to read that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So you may, 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 those of you who have listened to it will notice that like, I'm, I'm almost laughing because I had to say it with a smile. Right. I had grown into a woman, you know, it was the only way I could get it out. Yeah. Did you dress up as you no. delivered the line? That was, it was, yeah, I got to get it, it to cash. It was just some of these, some of these things that I encountered along the way. But like you said, it was fun. Yeah. Um, one of the best books I ever wrote on writing uh-huh. is a book called on writing oh. by Stephen King. Oh, yes. Highly recommend it for anyone Great who ever book. wants to write because there's two things that you can garner from that. Yep. And I think that they're just 
priceless mm-hmm. pieces of information. Number one, and can I curse on your podcast? Uh, well, we can always bleep it out if uh, anything. Well, um, <laughs> it, Stephen King's order number one is just tell the effing story. Yeah. Because yeah. a lot of people get so wrapped up in their prose. They do. Just tell yeah. us what happened. Yeah. And, and the other thing was, you know, when you're really writing, it's as if someone's telling you the story. Yes. Not the other way around. Right. So when you're really tapped in, and you, I know you know what I'm talking yeah, about. I know. They're telling you what happened. So yes. interestingly enough, Mike and I on the way over here, we were talking about how I, I got a comment where someone was saying, oh, that, that, that wouldn't happen to an elf, you know? <laughs> and um, and it's, it's interesting. I'm working on a, you know, on a funny response for it, a fun response for it. But, right. uh, the, you know, I think Airmind's response is, you know, Really? Are you, are you an elf? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're right. You're, you're the expert. Exactly. <laughs> or, Sh- uh, Conway, I thought they did not have elves in your world. <laughs> you told me they were extinct, you know, and I'd be like, well, yeah, but, you know, we have lore and people. That's yeah, the thing. It goes back I, to the passion yeah. of the project, yeah, right? Exactly. Look how connected someone is to actually put a comment yeah. and, and explain, like, elves wouldn't say that. Right? Yeah. In what world do elves exist that you've experienced? Well, in different literary worlds. That's the thing. There's different rules. Right. Well, I went to great pains to talk about the difficulty of elves to actually procreate. Yeah. And, you know, and I completely stole a page right out of Gene Roddenberry, mm-hmm. one of my of major, major influencers. And it, it, do you remember the uh, the episode where Spock suddenly has to have, you know, da, 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 no, I don't. He fights Kirk and because he has to he has to get laid essentially. <laughs> so he says, Oh no, in this time, like if I don't return to Vulcan immediately, yeah. you know, and he loses his mind and he's like getting violent and everything. And I was like, it, it, and he's a half of a Vulcan, you know. So yeah. there's a lot of similarities where I thought, yeah, to me, if if elves lived a thousand years, say, yeah, and they were able to reproduce like bunnies they would be everywhere yeah right you would not be able to walk down the street without bumping into an elf everywhere you went right air mine was oh no it is a major major ordeal like you know when they reproduce they women female elves have to basically hibernate for 10 years <laughs> and like you know they rarely survive because they're engorging themselves every month they wake up and like have like little bits of protein and water just to survive oh my god so here was this human woman with an elf in her you yeah. know her airmine's mother and she barely survived the thing and so i tried to make that a big dramatic yeah. element they're like well, why would it be so difficult? I don't understand. I said, well, these are your rules. Pandas. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. There you go. <laughs> good luck trying to get those things to mate. <laughs> it's hilarious. That's um, a good connection there. Yeah. That's a good point. It doesn't have to be the human element of it. Just right. because they may look slightly human doesn't yeah. mean that they have right. any relation or connection. And making your rules do. is really important. Yeah. And when you establish those rules for your readers now, you're saying, okay, here's the rules of my world. Now, they trust you not to break it. Right. So that's the thing, because if you break it, they'll know. And now it changes the whole validity of, you know, you know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Well, you yeah. wonder if that's where Game of Thrones kind of went wrong in their final mm-hmm. seasons. They had the source <laughs> oh, material yeah. where rules existed. Then when the books end, it's sort of like, all right, well, now these people are sort of not killable. Well, yeah. we just had a war with White Walkers. Yeah. Nobody's going down. Yeah. I mean, you broke the rules. Here. Yeah. Plot armor. <laughs> and, and I think the biggest mistake, and I think 
all writers will agree with me. What they really went wrong is Jon Snow became an observer. Yes, one hundred percent. Cannot go. You cannot walk around your world watching what goes on, going, "Whoa, yeah, oh my God!" You're no longer a hero. Heroes do things. Yes, heroes fight battles. He used to. He used to do that. (laughs) He was the hero. And then they just completely changed him. So I think the the biggest thing was they took the author out of it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't know what's taken him so long. He's not even finishing his books. Yeah. That's unbelievable. That's something I could never do to my hmm. readers. You got to finish that stuff. Yeah. You know, I guess, I don't know. It's, it's, Money what, can influence. What, 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 I was just thinking what Chappelle said right after he got his all his money and he was like complaining right. to Obama. Like, damn, I just got this money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <raise> taxes. <laughs> I love that so, episode. You know That's a great about? episode. Oh, God. Chappelle, yeah. another one of my I know. enormous favorite uh thinkers and writers yeah. and uh you know i think one of the one of the things he, he added for me was how to use emphasis and things and in, in how you speak yes and, and to get comedic yes and also to because uh, he could get really serious sometimes yeah. and he'll grab your attention and he's awesome at voices. oh yeah he really is he's he great about his you know uh white divorce now quit the malarkey yeah. <laughs> there's yeah. a white man talking here <laughs> he's so good i'm the ultimate hustler darnell <laughs> <laughs> <Don't know. laughs> right and then i referred to the eddie murphy you know saturday yeah. night live skit when he goes into the world as yeah. you know white face oh it's, it's so just, funny it's playing on that thing that almost nobody wants to reference it's yeah. like that, that electric the third rail yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> absolutely what kind of films what about film well um, lord of the rings i'm sure obviously yeah you know i I must say, when it comes to, you know, what I was going for in Giant Killers and how it would relate to films, I would say I'm going for, you know, Tolkien meets the Avengers if it was written by Tarantino. Oh, okay. There you <laughs> now go. You just painted a picture there. Yeah. <laughs> so in other words, like, I think a lot, we're, we're very similar in that, you know, like, we, we want to take into account that, you know, the, these things need to be real. Yes. You know what I mean? And I think that's what I mean by Tarantino is like... He gets very gritty he does. and real about very mundane things that happen within his story that mm-hmm. make it so much more powerful. Yeah. So one of the things I don't like about a lot of fantasy is it's, how do I say this kindly? Kind PG. of fluffy. Yes. Yeah. Kind of fluffy. Kind of. Absolutely. Right. You know, like Down. it's up on a yeah. different level of where we're supposed to just go. <gasps> yeah. And not really go, oh, wow. Well, I'm in that world. Yeah. This is what I would we, do. We right? don't get enough dark fantasy. Right. Well, that's what I love that's about Blood Realm yeah. specifically is when I first read the comics, the level of just nobody is safe yeah. and the level of pain and suffering that can <laughs> exist it will yeah. never stop you know no. there is no well this guy suffered enough it's like no, no. Yes. well when you read history i mean that's where i got all of this all the ideas i mean the the, the history of crucifixion mm-hmm. itself how it slowly was quote perfected by the romans mm-hmm. it went from the egyptians uh i'm sorry the persians to the greeks and the Greeks did it to the Romans, and the Romans were like we're going to put a little seat now, mm-hmm. so now you're comfortable, and it could last a lot longer. Yeah, because it's all about suffering That's and it. humiliation. Exactly. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and and you weren't just taken down; you were there to rot. Exactly. Because you were an example in front of everybody. Everybody, yeah, the highest that. peak. <laughs> so, it, and then when you read about, I mean, just the English being drawn and quartered, yeah. like what they did to the what's the the historical figure from Braveheart. Oh yeah, you know yeah, yeah. it's William Wallace. Yes, yeah, yeah. yes, 
and yeah. yeah, they're putting yeah. that back in theaters, by the way. Oh yeah, yeah classic. Yeah. Oh, great, phenomenal great flick. Oh yeah. So, <laughs> you know, history is just filled with that stuff, yeah. and to not include that, I think that's why with Blood Rum, I wanted to really mirror that stuff because I wanted to make it feel even more like actual history because history is totally. not fluffy. No, it, 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 that's it. <laughs> they try to fluff it up. The winners try to fluff it yeah. up, but the reality of it is that you know how do you keep all these people in line? And they did it through fear. Yep. You know. Well, another comment somebody said was, you know, the way you're portraying the elves, I, I, I see why they don't want them around. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I mean, like how in your own world, when you deal with things like racism, when you deal with like all these other things, yeah. it, it's it's horrible. But everybody has their reasons. Yes. You know what I mean? And and I if I don't give the humans reasons to hate on these people. Yeah. Then just saying that they hate on them for the, you know, and then it it's becomes not powerful. It doesn't uh, doesn't have that effect. Yeah. Sure. I mean, you know, I, I think, you know, that if I could pick on anything that I didn't like about Star Wars, then, yeah. oh gosh, I guess I'm, I'm walking no, towards the no. third rail now. Come right in. Please, <laughs> please. It's, it's about opinions. Was how Darth Vader turned so suddenly. Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. For no reason. I no. think Mike and I talked about this a little bit. No. I thought it was. In be, Jedi. In Je- I thought Return it, Jedi. They, they, he missed that, like, yeah. like a meatball yeah. coming down Broadway. Well, you know what's funny is that, you know, Lawrence Kasdan wrote Empire mm-hmm. and Jedi, but he never likes to talk about that he wrote Jedi, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is funny because everyone, you know, the, 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 the crown jewel of the Star Wars saga is Empire Strikes Back. Right. But, you know, he's also responsible for Jedi with Lucas. Right. And you're absolutely right. The, 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 the transition of him. Wait, oh, wait, are we talking about, wait, which one? In, well, the, in I, the prequels? Well, I was actually thinking, yeah, I mean, I agree with you oh. like, and how he transitioned to be good again. Yes, you know? I thought that was quick. Yeah, that was oh. very quick. But I think that his turn from being in the, the, prequels. Most, the best hero, Anakin Skywalker in the world, oh, the best yes. friend and awesome Jedi, to suddenly he's killing younglings. Yes. I, I thought it was missing some key, what we were just discussing. Human, elements. yes, and I absolutely. Think that they were so obvious. Have you read the book, by the way? I haven't. Well, the, actually, I did read the book. The book of, is of, excellent. I did read Revenge the of the Sith, the, yeah, the novel. Read, maybe I read the same copy as you, but I read one, and I it, it was what got me thinking. Wow, I really wish someday I could rewrite this. Yeah, and the reason was because I thought he missed on Padme and a love triangle. Yeah, that was like teed up there. Uh, yeah, I mean, she's like this senator who is so beautiful and popular and he's not supposed to be having any relationships with anybody right he sees some guy and oh that brings out those dark yeah. feelings That's right an interesting concept right and so you got that and then um you he should have been kicked out of the order because he had this secret relationship with yeah. her then as a non-member of the jedi and then he starts having these dreams about padme dying he could then when he met the dark sith who he didn't have any instructor. Now he's got the resentment for getting kicked yeah. out of the Jedi Order. Now that makes more sense that he could right. be seduced by the The novel, side. the novel, it's amazing because apparently it's based on Lucas's original script. So okay. I don't know if he, you know, if that's what he originally had in his script, but right. the novel touches on all stuff like that. Yeah. It's, t- it's night and day. Okay. Yeah. It's, and I'm trying to recollect maybe. Yeah. It's it actually it's it's uh, it's actually way better than the movie, unfortunately, yeah, because yeah. like it, it deals with how possessive he is of her, and also how Mace Windu actually is kind of turning to the dark, and to the point where Obi Wan barely recognizes him. So that's why when you have that big moment where Mace is going to kill 
Palpatine. He's doing it out of anger. There is something to be said about the rule breaking of the Jedi Order when you really go into it, especially from Mace Windu. When you kind of refer to that moment of how often, like, why wasn't Anakin kicked out of the Jedi Order when it was discovered that they were together? I mean, obviously, Obi-Wan was the person who found out, so there's some connection. Well, he finds out uh, in revenge once. Right. He's like, Anakin's the father, isn't he? Yeah. Of the child. Because he knows his best friend. Right. So at that point, I mean you're you're kind of playing to a tone of like maybe it was the fall of the jedi because they really didn't follow the code of the jedi yeah like mace windu anakin mentions to him in revenge of the sith like it's not the jedi way to kill and he's like he's too dangerous to be left alive it's like we don't do this though you can't take him strike him down like this and he was ready to do it anyway Mm -hmm. which one's your favorite did you see the latest one actually Um, yeah i did um you know I not to be no please go go. I, I think the first one to me Force the very no no the oh, very first one a new hope that which is the fourth one yes I saw when I was nine years old in a movie theater it's still great and I just thought it was I I think it's the most perfectly circular yes it works on its own absolutely I think it has all of the classic elements outside of that if we're yeah. just saying which episodes that I think Rogue One. Really? To me is wow. the best. Very For a lot cool. of the reasons what we were just talking about. Yeah. You know, here you have a character who is not free from any repercussions or danger. She yeah. dies. All of them. Yeah. All of them die. Yeah. And they're and they, and and it meant so much to me because, you know, I gone through, you know, a lot of adversity, sure. you know, with a divorce and things right. like that. Been very difficult. And when you hear her her speech to the others in which she says we're just going to keep looking for chances yeah. until there are no more. Wow, wow. To me, that's such an awesome message yeah. about don't give up. Right. No matter what, you know, and that's a true life lesson. Whereas I think, you know, like what we were talking about with fluff and things, yeah, Hollywood tends to bring things into the fluffosphere. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. I'm going to use that. It's yours. <laughs> and that's a good point you're making is Rogue One really is one of the few films that doesn't play the fluff at all. Right? No. I mean, even from the start, one of your other protagonists, I forget the... Cassian Endor. Cat- he takes down right in the beginning of that movie the guy who gives him the information kills him as a result of like I can't get caught so right. you have to yeah. die and that guy yeah. seemed harmless and yeah. just afraid Yeah. so they don't pull any punches and yeah. like you said the end of the movie spoilers if you haven't seen it yeah. everybody goes down <laughs> yeah and that's a, that's a gray area I think that is really important to allow in your storytelling because right. I mean if you know anything about if you've opened your eyes and you've lived in this world long enough more than a day you realize there really is no true good no true no, evil no and the, the, the gray areas in between yeah. are all about what human condition is and absolutely and, right and, absolutely and, and, and it's trying so, to it's important trying to pull yourself more towards doing the right thing right and away from doing the wrong thing Yes, uh, in Blood Realm, I mean that's I think that's one of the appeals you know that that readers you know find because I, I mean my, my father's a Vietnam veteran, so mm-hmm. obviously you want to talk about gray areas there. Oh yeah, that's a big deal, that's and exactly learning about all the about. stuff he went through yeah. and that time because like see for me you know like you know how you have the historic war and battle that happened eons ago in mm-hmm. in fantasy. For me as a kid, the Vietnam War was that war for me, right. you know, because I've heard about it so mm-hmm. much. So. In my story, you know, the, the ancient wars that happened and that trickled down to affect the future generations, 
that happens in Blood Realm as well, because that's mm-hmm. how I, you know, that's how I relate to the Vietnam War. Right. So it's really important to have that. Yes. Oh yeah, right. And it doesn't exactly. It doesn't yeah. end with the battles. It doesn't end when they come home. Oh. The effect it is keeps going. It trickles. It's you know the, the classic line of you know uh, the father, the sins of the father passed on to the son, mm-hmm. and that happens a lot. You know in Blood Realm and all that, and in in some even Star Wars. I mean, look, it got Kylo Ren, who's the grandson of Anakin, and it, it <laughs> that trickles down. It's yeah. The post post war, it, it it doesn't just go away. No. So it's it's a decision of the the the. the the one who is the descendant to kind of say, all right, I'm going to fight this. And finally Kylo Ren takes his lightsaber and throws it away. I'm not going to do this. So in Blood Realm, it's the same thing. But what I do is I try to show different perspectives of this war. So each, each mini series is a different perspective. The first one is the humans. Mm-hmm. Now they have this crumbling empire and this, this kind of quote alien force coming in to take it over. And then in the second mini series, we see the goat warriors perspective. Mm-hmm. So now suddenly, you know, you, I've, I dehumanize the, I call them the Satrians, who are the mm-hmm. goats, in the first miniseries. That this horrific, monstrous force. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, we read them in the, the second miniseries, and you're like, wait a minute, why am I relating to this character? They have souls. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's interesting, they because they souls. are like warlike conquerors, and you really shouldn't relate, but it's similar. And they're scary to, looking, right. you know? Similar to like the Dothraki. It's like, yeah, yeah. they'll probably take your guts out and like, <laughs> Why do I like them? And I think you're striking on exactly where, you know, I was trying to get to, which was the notion of, you know, your villains are only villains if if they have a reason for being villains. Yes. Yes. If if they're evil for the sake of being evil, that's like a cardboard cutout and so on. Exactly. Exactly. So I think it's really important. And and I'm sure, you you know, as as I'm familiarizing myself more and more with the stories, you know. Leaving those breadcrumbs have to for people to have pick to. up on right. and, and not being yeah. and not being too obvious because then you're yeah. treating them like they're stupid. Right. You know, you you want to leave a little bit in there so they could put the pieces together. Right, and then they go, <gasps> yes, oh, exactly. Then you have the connection. <laughs> it's so important to do that. People don't like to be, you know, like just preached. Yeah, you know, yeah. force fed right in front of their face. Right, they don't like that. Yeah. You know, they're here's the good solvers. guy. Here's the bad guy. Exactly. Good guy wins. Right at the end. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, but but uh, it's, it's nice to have even all of your evil characters or creatures. Yeah. Have their reasons. You have to. Have and their that. desire to survive. Yes. And exactly. Be. I mean, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and and I think, you know, I I think I'm portraying the humans as really being, you know. You know, they're turning more towards, you know, selfishness and greed. They're, mm. they're turning their backs on their belief systems. Right. And even the oh. fear of a different race like the elves kind yeah. of coming in and replacing being that they live for so much longer. It's like, yeah. we'll be the forgotten ones yeah. if we just let this happen. Suddenly they call them sub races. Yeah. Right, Suddenly right, right. they want to get everybody out and blame, you know. And they get, yeah, you start saying, yeah. oh, where have I heard that before? Yeah, no, that's what happens. <laughs> And, and, you know, and it's easier for people to, you know, immerse themselves in that world because of because of that, because it's relatable, but not so relatable where it's like, oh, you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm, I'm watching cable news now. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the thing, too, you know? Right. Well, and I, think, like, I want to be taken away from this world, right? Yeah. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's certainly a need for it right now. Yeah, absolutely. Need for the fantasy to kind of play a role like 
maybe that's where the passion's coming from so strongly. Guys like telling you how elves should behave. Exactly, right? It's better to dive into that than stick around the real world. Well, Geronimo had said something about rules. And and there's an introduction to my book that I wrote that I, I didn't read. And I'm beginning to think, Maybe I should, you uh-huh. know, I mean, it's just a couple of pages, but it's my introduction in which I kind of go there. Uh-huh. I talk about because I'm talking about, you know, characters and humanoids that you're familiar with. There's certain rules that I must yeah. acknowledge. And in, and in so doing, you know, I, I think that, that you, you realize where you can go a little bit further out on the lore of it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And sure. And, and take some license to expand because that's how these, you know, like the Marvel universe, for instance, it was once very, very small, but then writers continuously yep. flesh it out. Yeah. So I think that should be our aim. Oh, absolutely. As well, to kind of. Oh, yeah. I could write this thing forever. Thing, right? <laughs> Let me ask you. So how how far is the story developed in your own mind from a from a from a story arc? Would well, you that's say? That's a good question. Okay. Well, I will say that every miniseries I tried to make uh, a different feel. I think it's important because if I stick with the same feel, it starts to get a little bit like, oh, we've seen this before. But some people, some writers, a friend of mine, like, you know, that's death. You know, you're going to change that vibe up and do that. I was like, listen, you know, you, you have to excite them. Right. You know? Sort of like Bowie right. or Madonna come out with a different right. look and exactly. different sound. Yeah, exactly. Cool. But uh, I need to do that to stay excited. Too. For yourself, for myself, artist, right, uh-huh. right. So it's a little bit selfish, but also I, I, I believe that you know if you're down with the first miniseries and the second miniseries, listen, let me take you on this crazy ride. Yeah, because I have about, I mean, oh God, the whole entire saga, the Blood Realm saga, is going to be five miniseries, which is three issues in each. Okay. Yeah. So that's five miniseries, and then I have, you know, chronicle stories within that that I, I, I would like to tell eventually. So, yeah. So I have it all. I have notes of everything where it's going to go. Who I even know where the Chronicle story is going to go. The hardest thing is staying excited about the one I'm working on because then right. I I get excited about a sub story where I'm just like, oh, man, but I want something like this, a naval battle. That's what I'm going to do. And then I start just researching that. And I'm like, I got these pages to draw that I do in a month, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yep. It's staying motivated on that particular story. Yeah, the, well, you brought it up how you wanted to kind of almost give away something that exists in chapter 19 of Giant Killers. And it's like, well, I got to yeah. stick with what I'm working on now to get right. to that. It's it, and, and, and it's also what you just said, too. I mean, I wrote 180,000 words. Wow. 28 chapters plus a prologue and an epilogue. There you go. That I'm, you know, and each one of my chapters is about 30 minutes to an hour. Wow. Of audio time. So. I ain't going to finish this thing until the end of the calendar year at the earliest. But I've already have all these ideas for the next whole book. And then the one after that, you know, I'm already laying breadcrumbs about it in the story as I go. So, you know what I mean? And it's, it's, it's kind of fun because you can't help it. No. Because, you know, these characters, they know. Yes. They can't help but say. So we were getting back to this idea about, you know, um, I was going to do like, or I'm planning on doing a, a phoner, what we say in the TV business, which is where you just have a phone conversation with somebody and then, you know, and then you put their picture up and then oh, okay. that's how you interview them. Yeah. The phone. Yeah. So I'm going to do one with my, my, my 
principal character. Oh, oh, that's so fun. answer this guy. That's hilarious. <laughs> I, I thought it was such a fun idea. <laughs> that so, is a great idea. I was thinking of writing some serious stuff in there where she starts saying something. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, yeah. They don't know any right, of that don't yet. Don't give it away. <laughs> that's, you should definitely do that. That's genius. Probably within, yeah, then I'm, I'm trying to do like something like what you're doing, which is, you know, you're doing your book and then yeah. you're doing, a, you know, a, a podcast yeah. to support it. So I'm doing the book and then I'm trying to maybe like do like a, a series, which is kind of like talking about it, mm-hmm. you know, which I call Talking GK with Conway. Nice. So hopefully I'll, I'll be able to feature some of our conversation in there. Yeah, and sure. What we were talking about. Yeah. And it's exciting journey to uh, Staten Island to yeah. be with you guys. and All the way to Westeros. Yes. <laughs> to, to spur my art career. So- yeah, I have to tell you, it, I'm very inspired because when I was a kid, uh-huh. I just could not stop drawing. Right. In fact, when I was 16 and a sophomore in high school, I would be sent to art school to draw for three hours during high school. Right. So in other words, I was getting high school credit to go to an art school outside of my high school. Uh-huh. Then I got sent, at, you know, that following year to go to college early to study right. art because I thought I was, you know, uh-huh. the next. Da Vinci. But um, I showed up at, at art school and at an art class in this liberal arts college. And um, the first day they're like, okay, I want you to take a square and a circle and a yeah, triangle yeah. and put right. it in. And I was like, right, right. I'm going to the theater club, you know? So that was the end essentially of my and that was high school education. Yeah. Yeah. First year of college. So oh, first year of college. Okay. So then what I did, and this is, I knew you knew something about this. So I thought it'd be an interesting topic uh-huh. of conversation was I gathered up all of my drawings and kind of put it together into not exactly comic book, but in sure. terms of frames. Okay. Like yeah. Yeah. One after the other in terms of like storyboards. Story. Yeah. yeah. A storyboard frame where I was trying to sell Marvel on my book. Okay. Which would eventually become the giant killer. Right, right, right. I was, it was very, you know. Of course. Very yeah. uh, sketchy back then because I was 16. Yeah. But anyway, so I, Marvel actually invited me to come. That's very nice. It's really to, crazy. To, to their place. They, they said, Conway, yeah, <laughs> we'd yeah. really like to meet you. And so I went over there and um, and they, they introduced me to Jim Shooter. That's so cool. Isn't that cool? And they took me to the bullpen wow. where they do all the drawing and stuff. And at that point, I was certain that, you know, this was my break, you know, yeah. 17 years old. And they go, okay, great. Yeah, well, we can't hire you unless you're 18. So come back when you turn 18 and we can talk, you know. Oh. And here, try some of these, like Spider-Man, Hulk, yeah. show us you could draw some of these things. And I was like, of course not. I am <sighs> I am a maker of my own book. Yes. I shan't listen to this <laughs> nonsense. <laughs> And away I walked from them. So, but I understand you uh, actually interned there for a long time. Ah, yeah, so you were there. Yeah. So, Geronimo. Yeah. Yeah, my life took a different turn. I decided I want to become a Beatle. So, <laughs> got into music. Gosh, thirty-five years later. Wow. I'm have this new project that I'm doing. And my daughter is an incredible, she's a chip off the old block. Right, she's right. drawing things that are amazing. So I'm leaning on her. Hey, yeah. do a drawing for me. Do a drawing for me. And meanwhile, she's, you know, she's got a 96 average. She's in the National Honor Society. Nice. It's like, I just feel like, what am I doing? You know, I should be drawing again, right. you know? So what, what are some of your ideas that you just think in terms of what can get me more into a groove of cranking out good stuff again okay well i would definitely first off don't overwhelm yourself that's one of the things that people do right away like Mm. they're like oh i'm gonna draw this i'm gonna do that it's gonna be all this crazy like a crazy amount of illustrations and suddenly 
they, they just putter out because it's too much. Right. They realize that they just put so much work, you know, onto themselves and it's like, and then you lose the inspiration. Right. So I would do, you know, maybe one a week, you know, okay. and then slowly, maybe if it's twice a week, you know, I would go baby steps first if you're not used to drawing a lot. Okay. But I would get comfortable drawing hands, number one. Like right. literally, and you have, we have no excuse because we have a hand yeah. and we can just pose it holding swords, holding all these different kind of things. Man, I can't tell you how many times I've seen him take photos or have me take photos of his hand doing this. That, in position. That, everything. Right, yeah. That's the first thing editors yeah. will look at too when you walk into a room with editors and they're yeah. going to look, they're like, how's your hands? Right. Because yeah. they, they, they just want to see this. They want to miss, like, how, that's the most convincing. Thumb. Yeah. yeah that's, it's it needs to be very convincing. Absolutely. Even right. if you abstract it a little bit, you need to know the fundamentals yeah. of the hand. There's a connection there with film and CGI when they do real characters. Somehow, no matter how good they get, people can always seem to tell there's something off. Even if they don't know what it is, mm. they know. Like when you look at a CG, you know, let's say, for example, Star Wars, the Princess Leia, mm-hmm. right? There's still someone that knows the actual person isn't there. And it's that same feel when you look at some piece of artwork, right? Mm-hmm. If some anatomy is off or it doesn't flow, the disconnect is almost immediate. Interesting. Yeah. Well, okay. Now, I know you, 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 you've told me previously, stick steer clear of pencil. Well, yeah. So when you're sketching, well, first off, you can start pencil when you're like doing your, your finished piece. But like you should have a sketchbook filled with ink drawings. Because what happens is when people use pencil, they're too concerned with making it perfect. So they don't allow these little happy accidents to happen. As I would to think quote, it would be the opposite if I was using ink, though. I'd be so afraid that I couldn't well, you erase gotta, it. You gotta, that's the thing. you got to break the fear. So once you break that fear and you have no care, you don't want any care in the sketchbook. It's not meant for anyone else but you. So this way you can mm. mess up 20 million times or you may make a line that you didn't intend. And suddenly you're just like, I like that line. It might actually be this. Yes, right. right. And also you want to see the history of your drawings because then you get to see what you did wrong. The problem is people erase their history and they forget how they got there. Interesting. Yeah, Yeah. there's one thing I'll say when I've watched Rob draw is the speed that he can draw something. And, you know, we used to go into the city and I'd watch him draw actual someone in the bus or sitting down. Ink. And he would put it together so quickly almost for that reason because there was no fix the line. It was just sort of like get the moment done. Well, you know what? To quote Stephen King, right? Just tell the effing story. Mm -hmm. Draw the damn picture. I had a teacher who told me, she said, don't think, just draw. You're Mm -hmm. thinking too much. So when you're sketching, I would just sketch 10 million things. Faces. Who cares? Mm -hmm. Even the, if it's a bat or a dragon, like what does the wing look like at different Mm -hmm. times? You know, and that's the thing with pencil you get so concerned the cool thing about what i've noticed when i've watched you work you right. know with some of the things is it it seems like the focus is on the light yeah the presence or not presence of light right you gotta yeah right. that that seems to me like you know because most of the times like i'm i'm looking at okay well what is this scene mm-hmm. these are my thought process which i think you're helping me yeah cure what is this scene what is it going to look like in the end right how do I get there? Uh-huh. So basically what I have all my students do mm. is that they don't just draw to scale right away. They actually do little thumbnails, just placing the figures where they're going to be in the composition, like little shapes. Oh, okay. This way you have an idea where you never, you want to do as much planning beforehand, mm-hmm. before you start going to pencil and inks and finalizing things. Otherwise it's going to take you forever. Creating like a much smaller drawing. Yes. And just kind of a bunch figuring- of them. 
yes. where people are going to be. Absolutely. You want to do all that stuff first. You want to awesome. just to lay out a blueprint of where the figure is going to be. What are the what are the elements in the picture? Even if it's just like, say there's a tree, just a little generic little outline of what where the tree would be. What space is it going to that's, occupy? That's right? it. That's yeah. what you need because otherwise you're going in blind and then it's going to take forever and you're going to get frustrated. And then you're going to realize, damn it, I didn't really account for all of the empty space. So right. suddenly you have all this empty space because you didn't properly lay it out. You just fill it with nothing. Right. And what happens is and people could tell that you didn't properly lay out your composition. Right. So if whatever size your story is going to be, whatever, I don't know how what the dimensions are. You want to make sure your thumbnails are in similar dimensions. So if it's going to be a rectangle, mm. you make it a rectangle. You know, what I do, I do thumbnail, I do layouts really, not super tight, but if I have an idea of what my layout's going to be mm. very clearly in my sketchbook, mm-hmm. I can I can't replicate it on the final piece because the magic was done there. So what I do is I scan it in or I take a picture of my phone and I light box. So I trace my original outline because the energy is in there. Because when you go too much with pencil, so for those of you who are looking to practice more and and develop your skills uh, with ink or just getting your thumbnails down first, the instinct, there's a lot of energy there. Mm. And what happens is when you start to recreate it, you start to lose the diamondism. It becomes labor. Yes, exactly. And it, and it comes very stiff, very static, no movement. And you're like, I don't understand. Why, why can't it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you crumble it up and throw it away. Yeah. I see I see it all the time. I see it all the time. The walk before you run. Yeah. Yes. So it's, 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 it's basically, too, it's not having the fear of messing up. And when you use ink, just a nice proper ink pen or, mm. or a, a brush pen, you yeah. know, and plus, everything looks sexier in ink. <laughs> so everything you looks black? better. I would use black. Okay. Yeah. So I would get a nice brush pen. Maybe Tombow is a good company. Okay. You know, if you want to buy one that you could just dries out, you just buy another one. There's ones yeah. you can refill by but not Pentel. Just like a typical Bic or something. Nah, like I wouldn't do that. No. no, you you want a nice brush pen to feel okay. the flow. Because I'm telling you, once okay, so you do that, it's almost like sort of like painting, almost. Kind of, kind of. Uh, but it's it's just. You know what it is? You don't want to fight your tools. And I tell this to my students too. You want to make sure that you try different things to find which tool works for you because if the tool isn't working for you, the drawing is not going to work. Definitely. You want to you want to make sure you have a tool. And I'm sure you guys could attest to this when you're working with you know equipment. Mm-hmm. You, know, you want whatever machine or whatever material you're using is going to work for you to get the job done. Right. So if you're using a tool that isn't very comfortable, mm-hmm. you're going you're gonna to curse it. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm sure you guys. Have, <laughs> sure. Am I right or wrong? Right, one thousand. We were just talking about that. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, there was one thing that you always used to use that I found so interesting was uh, the toothbrush. Yeah, he used to have these splatter effects, and I never knew how he did it. And then suddenly, I went down and I yeah. saw he had a toothbrush sitting next to his yep. all the drawings. And I'm like, so what do you do? You literally just spread. And he goes, Yeah, essentially. But I'm like, How do you control it? Because I can't tell you how many times I used the toothbrush yeah. you know, before I got it. It's science. People would think like like I would. I broke this. I tell this to everybody. This toothbrush that I use, I've had it for maybe five six years. Same toothbrush. Mm. I broke those bristles in, man. Mm. So well, they go where exactly where I want them to go now. So it, it's, so it's like it, a baseball glove. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's what it's like. And for everybody listening, no, he doesn't brush his teeth. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I know. That's how I get the black. <laughs> get the character. Yeah. So yeah, I, I would. So I would not be afraid of the pen. 
Yeah, have fun it's with the ink. Awesome. That reminds me too. And it of pops off the page. How too. I've approached Foley because a lot of people who listen say, "Oh, wow, this is you know you you know." They're they're complimentary about my production as an audiobook, and I'm like, this is the first thing, first time I've ever done this. Yeah, and I think part of it is what you were just alluding to, which is just kind of having that inspiration to just go for it. That's it. That's I have it. one scene where a, where a giant wolf bites off the feet of a of a little elf, you know, yeah, and then spits them out onto the ground. Nice. So I, I what a visual. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so I took my mic and I grabbed a couple of boots and just dropped them, and I had to drop them about. Oh, four you do. Or five oh, that's right. You do sound effects. I got the, just right of the feet falling onto the ground. That's amazing. You know? So man. I think that's what you're alluding to. It's just yes. kind of like when you ink it. And it's sort of like recording where you're just that's it you're going for it and you're just going to try to get it to happen well let me show you real quick i always wanted to make figures always that's one of the human figures yeah so this is one of the sisters of silence so folks if you haven't seen one of these i have these on my website i have one left for sale she's cast in iron so oh, beautiful thank you so i always wanted to make figures and i just researched it how do i do it how do i make molds soft bottom yeah yeah i made it put the felt <laughs> she has a nice bottom <laughs> yeah and uh awesome and like you said i just dove into it i wanted to learn about 3d printing and molding and you used co-casting. a 3d printer for so this? i i yeah so but that's not 3d printed that's uh that's a resin copy okay so, so you have one that you 3d printed yes which is now used and then correct i made the mold, mold and then i made also a three inch one so i have a big one and a small one that is badass but the hardest thing was actually learning how to uh do what do you call it um 3d modeling yeah 3d rendering that was a pain in the neck and i, I didn't know anything uh-huh. i just I, I i found a free software i practiced and then i ended up uh getting uh, a friend of mine had zbrush which is the the most popular one and i practiced and practiced dove into it like you said uh-huh. and i was like well where do i go from here well now i l- let me learn how to make figures uh-huh and you know you got to just do it. That's so awesome. draw your hands, people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and don't be afraid yeah. to suck. Yeah, and you know what? And you know what's funny is That's that it. It, I, I always tell this. It's um, I call them side hustles. Right. You know, because this was a side hustle, mm-hmm. and if I was having a blast doing it. I was making a lot of trial and errors, you know. But then they sell out all the time at conventions, mm. and. Sci-Fi Wire ended up doing a whole little article on like the top indie toys at Comic-Con. And and I made the list. It was so freaking cool. (laughs) I was like, that's amazing. That is cool. So, you know, you never know. Those little side hustles that you're doing just for fun that you're just like, you know, that's it. It's just those are the things that you never know what could just grab people. Isn't it funny? Like when you hear a phrase, it's not necessarily a new phrase, but a phrase that really resonates with you. And then all of a sudden you start hearing people say it all the time. Yeah. So I was just chatting with a gal the other day. Like fluff <laughs> Yeah. No, and she said, oh, I get it. It's your side hustle. And oh, I was like, wow. that's really funny. I didn't really think of it that way. But yeah, yeah. that's a really your good side example hustle. of it. And then sure enough, you were using Comes it. Comes full circle. Yeah, it, like the next day. I was yeah. Like, you know, you hear a word that you not normally hear, then all of a sudden you yeah. just keep hearing it. Isn't that funny? Yeah. You know, when you get deeper and deeper into it, that's why, yeah. you know, you know, this is a side hustle. <laughs> it's not just an addiction. Oh, right. <laughs> right. And it's, it's, but it's, it's 
of those things where you could spend hours and hours and hours and working on something and it's just a pain in the butt because you don't love it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. When you love it. Oh man. You you don't mind the turmoil. (laughs) There's nothing that can quite light, light your fire. Yeah. Yeah. It's true, man. I mean, I, I love fantasy. I love creating worlds and, you know, you you see other people create, and it's you know creativity and uh, drive is contagious. You know, so like talking to someone like you pumps me up. I'm sure, you know what I mean. It's how it is. Kindred awesome. spirits. It's the Absolutely. same reason we started the channel in the first place because I think we had such a enjoyment when we mm. do this on our own. So it was sort of like a share it. me a creative, yeah, and especially myself who I cannot draw for the life of me, but. It gives me a creative outlet with something that I do have some knowledge in when it comes to editing. And yeah, exactly. Well, that that's awesome. Well, man, I have to say, Conway, this was awesome. This was a Thank really you great for conversation. Having me and, and doing this, Geronimo, yeah. Mike, it was so fun. I know we talked about, you know, how cool it would be, and I, yeah. I think it's awesome. Yeah, no, we I'm really this inspired. So I'm fun. glad you are. Too. Oh yeah, and really I think the readers, I mean, readers and listeners, are going to be inspired by this. You know, just to go Excellent. for it. Just to go for it. You know, if it's some kind of side hustle that yes. you're into, yes. uh, you never know where that can go and how how big it can grow. Absolutely. Right. You know, I would say do it. Yeah. To steal from Nike's ad, just do it. Yes. I think that's really good advice because for artists, because like you said, I mean, there's so many, you know, self-editing things that can just crush your creativity or fear of repercussions, reduce rights and things. That, you know, I mean, just is the killer. Yes. Do what you want to do. Right. Get it out and come what may, you know, if, if it becomes a problem, that's probably really good for you. Yes. <laughs> Learn too. A lot of learning. Pro- right. That right. means people are noticing and they're going, Hey, yeah, this is, this is great. And yeah. If you care if, enough to say something, then that means right. I'm doing something right. Yes. All right. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. Great. Awesome. All right, Conway. Thank you so much. My pleasure. We'll have thank you, you we'll have you back on when you have the, uh, the book deal for sure, which Woo-hoo! will probably be coming soon. <laughs> Gosh, from your lips to God's lips. Yeah, right? <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Rob. I'm Mike. All right, everyone. Take care.